We always like to set time aside, especially in the middle of conference basketball play, for our guy Matthew Postens. Joining us here on HeartlandCollegeSports.com, I'm Pete Mundo. It's always great to be with you and uh, talk some Big 12 basketball with Matthew. All right, Matthew, I, I want to start at the bottom of the Big 12 standings. We'll talk about the top. West Virginia beat Texas Tech convincingly on the road on Wednesday night. Uh, Texas Tech is now 0-4 in the Big 12. It's not looking good for the Red Raiders in terms of NCAA tournament hopes. I don't want to say they're done, but they're certainly on thin ice right now. Start with the Mountaineers. Is Bob Huggins starting to figure this team out based on how they played the last few games? Why or why not? I think it's possible he's starting to figure it out. And I don't think it's so much him trying to figure it out. I think it's that Eric Stevenson's finally starting to play like the player he was playing like in November and December before the the hubbub with Bob in early January and before he got an illness that kind of set him back for a few games. He had a really good game against Texas Tech, uh, had, had some key free throws for them down the stretch. But what really encouraged me about West Virginia Wednesday night was the bench production they got. Now, some of that was the product of foul trouble for them, but they got a great game out of uh, Seth Wilson. I think he had 17 points. He hit five threes for a career high. James Aquanquo came off the bench and gave them some nice minutes inside. You know, they need more guys to help them out outside of their top six or seven players. And at the depth that they have can start producing a little bit over the next few weeks because they've got an, a murderous schedule the next five mm-hmm. games. They've got four ranked teams ahead of them. But if some of that depth can start helping them out a little bit, then I think it's conceivable that, you know, even with an under 500 record, West Virginia could turn itself into uh, an NCAA tournament team. I think they, they've got to beat Oklahoma next week uh, when they play them as the one unranked team on their schedule in the next five games. And then they got to find a way to steal one somewhere at TCU or against, um, uh, I think they've, uh, they got Iowa State in there somewhere. they got to steal one of those games. Perhaps they can steal that game with Auburn at home on Saturday in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Who knows? But uh, they've got to steal one or two in the next uh, five games to really help themselves out. Yeah, absolutely right. That's what they have to do. And I just look at you know some of the close losses they've had this season, whether it's at Oklahoma. I mean, I think back, Matthew, to their first conference game at Kansas State, which went to overtime. And who knows how those two team seasons are different if West Virginia gets that game. It really shows you – the gap or lack thereof, you know, between the top and uh, the bottom of this conference. So who right now to you is the worst team in the Big 12? I assume you'll say Texas Tech, and if so, why? <laughs> well, I think it has to be Texas Tech because, you know, A, they haven't won a game in Big 12 play, although that's not necessarily a, a crime in this conference. But, it, you know, not having Fardow's AMAC for most of the season certainly hurt them. Uh, Pop Isaacs got hurt in the game with West Virginia on Wednesday. He's been their leading scorer uh, in Big 12 play. All you need to know about Tech right now is that a freshman guard, as good as Richard Pop Isaacs is, is their leading scorer in Big 12 play. Kevin O'Banners had a very steady Big 12 uh, slate from a scoring standpoint, but the reality is nobody else in this team has really been consistent enough to help those two guys out. And that's the biggest reason why. You know, we talked about Texas last year and just how the chemistry didn't come together for them despite having all that talent. It's sort of the same thing with Texas Tech this year. It's not that they're not talented. They are banged up. But ultimately, the players that they have 
the chemistry is just not there. And sometimes in basketball, that just happens. Sometimes you bring in great talent and you bring in guys that have experience, and sometimes it just doesn't work. And I think right now with Texas Tech, along with the injuries, it's just not working. And, you know, there aren't many options for Mark Adams at this point, you know, aside from maybe rejiggering the starting lineup, which he's already kind of done to some degree. Um, he's just, he just has to keep looking for the right combinations that'll help him out. And, you know, hopefully uh, with the, you know, with the big 12 SEC challenge, maybe it gives them a break to kind of figure those things out against an SEC team. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think that you look at Mark Adams, the job he did last year in year one, there's no way he's in any trouble, right? Even if this, even no. if he goes two and 16, I mean, he's the guy. No, he's the guy for right now. No question. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine they would fire him over this season. I mean, you know, this is the job that he wanted. This is the guy Texas Tech wanted. Um, everybody has a bad season in the Big 12. I mean, we just talked about West Virginia. They won four Big 12 games last year, and they had a pretty good team. And they had some of the same issues that Texas Tech has had this year. They had injuries. Uh, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, um, they had one of their star guards got COVID early in January, and, and it took him like a month to really get his feet back under him. And the chemistry just never came together. So, mm-hmm. you know, somebody's got to be the last place team in this conference. And this year it just looks like it's going to be Texas Tech. All right. Now, a flip side of this, who's the best team right now in the Big 12 Conference, Matthew Postens? Uh, I think it's got to be Iowa State. I mean, Woo! Yeah, we, yeah, I we knew they were going to play defense coming into the season. I mean, there's no question about that. And if you look, if you look at the Ken Palm ratings, they're like, yeah, they've been in the top 10 all season in defensive efficiency. What they've done now over the last three, four weeks is they've, they've finally shown that everything is starting to click on the offensive side. It started with Gabe Kalsher, uh at the beginning of big 12 play, really doing a better job of shooting from three, doing a better job of, of hitting big shots, late games to go along with, uh, um, uh, their uh, transfer guard, um, drawing a blank in his name for some reason. Uh, it's one of those kind of mornings. But um, the other big development for them is Oshani, their uh, other transfer forward in from St. Bonaventure. They've really figured out what works for him offensively on the floor. He's already a great defensive player, but they've really figured out what works for him on the floor offensively, getting him at the, the elbow with the key and letting him work with the basketball uh, Tame and Lipsy's really developed into a, a really good facilitative point guard. Uh, Caleb Grills had a great season. And they're doing all of this without Aljaz Kuntz, who is their, actually their starting forward. He's been hurt for the last three, four weeks. Once they get him back, I don't know if they put him necessarily back in the starting lineup, but he was a great six man for them last year. So right now, in terms of who's playing the best in the conference, who's the best team overall, I think it's got to be Iowa State. Remember, this is a team that beat Texas. And they beat Kansas State just the other night. Yeah. I mean, you look at this league right now, six of the ten teams are six and two or five and three in conference play. I mean, within a game of each other. It's just it's sick. Um, of the two teams, Kansas State and Texas, they're tied with Iowa State at six and two in league play. Which one of those two teams do you feel like is more likely to fade in the second half of the season? Oh, I I wonder if it might be Kansas State for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. One, they're just getting so much attention right now, and sometimes that kind of stuff can can wear on you. It's good attention. It's great attention. Jerome Tang has done a great job with that program. Marquise Noel, Keontae Johnson have had fantastic seasons, but 
you know, as you get further into February, uh, you get to play these teams the second time around. They've got film on you. They've got tape on you. They kind of know your tendencies a little bit. You're already kind of seeing teams defend Marquise Noel a little bit differently when he has the ball in his hands. That's making That made it a little bit harder for him to uh, do the things he wanted to do against Iowa State. Um, you know, Texas, I think, is built a little bit differently. They've got a lot more experience um, in terms of at that program. A lot of those guys are holdovers from last year. I think Tyrese Hunter is going to have a really good February. I think he has finally kind of found his groove next to Marcus Carr, who's been their number one player all year. I just kind of feel like their their success right now is a little bit more sustainable than Kansas State's. And sustainable could be nothing more than being a game or two ahead in the standings by the time we get to the Big 12 tournament. Yeah, that's exactly right. Now, the Kansas Jayhawks have dropped three in a row after a 5-0 and start in league play. Uh, they've got Kentucky this weekend, and we'll talk more about the Big 12 SEC Challenge coming up. But if you are looking at Kansas basketball as a stock, defending champs, are you buying or selling KU right now? Can I hold? Yeah, I, you know what? I'll let you hold. Well, no, 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 no holding. No holding. Uh, we're no not holding. here for the safe takes, Matthew. I need you to buy or sell <laughs> KU basketball. Um, I'm buying. I'm buying the fact that they can figure out what their issues are. Their issues aren't major. You know, they got to figure out some depth. Mm-hmm. And they've got guys to do it on the bench. I think Bill Self just has to kind of trust them a little bit. And I think they can kind of figure that out. They've got one of the best players in the conference in Jalen Wilson. I'm already starting to see signs that Kevin McCullers finally coming around offensively. He had a good game the other night, even in that loss uh, against Baylor. I-, I think their biggest issue is going to be rebounding. Uh, that's really been an issue for them the past few games. They don't have a big interior presence. They can make it work with guys like K.J. Adams and the, and the forwards they have coming off the bench, but they don't have a lot of margin for error. So I'm still buying the fact that they can be you know, a, a contender in the Big 12 because everything's so close. I mean, I don't think you rule anybody out right now, especially among those top six teams. And I think Bill Self has the talent to figure this out. He's going to have to figure it out on the fly, but we've seen him do it before. So I'm, I'm not ready to sell in Kansas just yet. You're not selling KU just yet. Okay. I just wonder, too, in some of these losses, especially I think about the TCU and the Baylor loss, I, it mm-hmm. feels like they can't buy a three in these games, Matthew. I mean, they when they yeah. get cold from outside, and you can say that about any team, but, man, when they're not hitting shots, and if Grady Dick's not on, um, I, you know, you can really clamp down on defense on the interior because they're just the last couple of games they haven't been able to buy a bucket. It seems like from beyond three point range. Yeah, I think that's where Dewan Harris really becomes an important piece of this. You know, Bill Self wants him shooting the basketball more. He's a good shooter from outside. Um, if if he if he can become a guy that gives them two or three three pointers a game and starts hitting that shot more consistently, that's going to loosen things up for Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick, and thereby loosen things up inside. Because you're right, you know, if they're cold from outside, it allows you to really kind of do some different things defensively. You saw it Monday night against Baylor. You know, Baylor went back to that 1-3-1 zone for a while. Part of it was because they were in foul trouble, but part of it was because they sensed that Kansas wasn't shooting well from the outside, and that would allow them to do some trapping, you know, three-point line extended and kind of make their life more difficult trying to get to the basket. Mm-hmm. All very true. Uh, so, all right. So he's buying Kansas right now. Uh, 
two teams that are rivals, and you look at them, TCU and Baylor, they're right in the thick of this thing. Uh, do you feel better about one than the other? I know, you know, TCU's put together a couple of good wins. They had actually a great week after losing three or four. Are you back on the Baylor band? Are you back on the TCU bandwagon? Baylor obviously is on fire, winners of five straight. Uh, how should those two fan bases feel right now? I think both of them should feel really good. I think TCU should feel especially good. They're one of the few teams in the conference that has a legitimate interior presence with Eddie Lampkin Jr., and that kind of differentiates them from some of the other teams in the conference. You know, They've got great three-point shooting. They're one of the best defensive teams in the conference. Jamie Dixon has talked all season about he's never had a defensive team like this before, so much to the point where he's kind of relaxed his requirement or his goal of having a plus-10 rebounding margin edge every game because he knows that his defense is going to create you know, a ton of turnovers. I mean, they created 23 turnovers against Texas Tech. They created 20 against Kansas State. He's not used to this level of turnover creation, and it's, it's giving them more opportunities offensively. Baylor, you know, after that 0-3 start, I was a little bit worried, and I'm still worried about, their, about how they're playing inside. They just don't have a lot of interior presence inside like TCU does. But you saw it on Monday night. Like you were talking about the three-point shooting with Kansas. When their guards are clicking, when they're hitting from outside, L.J. Cryer, Keontae George, Adam Flagler, even Jalen Bridges, they're hard to beat. They gutted out a really good win against Oklahoma on the weekend when I saw them in person, and they did it because they got hot from the three-point line at the right time. Whereas whereas I think TCU is a little more balanced offensively, Baylor's going to live and die by the three-pointer the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. So whether it's the uh, Big 12 SEC Challenge or or – the NFL championship games this weekend. Our friends at DraftKings have a killer deal you can't beat. If you're a new customer at DraftKings, all you have to do is bet $5 and you get $200 in free bets instantly. That's right. And only two more shots in the NFL playoffs to win big. I know we'll have college basketball after that, but come on. We're all locked into this weekend, right? I'm in Kansas City. I'm a Chiefs fan. I can't wait. I'll be at the game Sunday. And since I live in Kansas, I can place that bet before I go over to the Missouri where they don't have it. So right now, new customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use our code HCS for Heartland College Sports and bet $5 on the conference championships and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's right. Also, not a new customer. You can feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code HCS, minimum age, and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Matthew Postens is joining us. Uh, Let's look ahead to this Big 12 SEC Challenge. First off, do you like the Big 12 SEC Challenge, Matthew, from the standpoint of breaking up conference play, or do you feel like it's just kind of in the way and you're looking forward to getting it over with? What's your general take on this this challenge? (laughs) I like it. I I think it's a great opportunity for – uh, these two conferences to kind of take their measures of one another. Um, I, I personally think that we'll we'll see some sort of a Big 12, Big 10 challenge at some point because we know the whole reason this is going away is because the Big 10 has signed an exclusive contract with Fox that will take all of their basketball games over there. So ESPN's losing that. So they want to be able to, to fully broadcast an ACC-SEC challenge, which they've already announced. Mm-hmm. So this challenge is going away. So my hope is that at some point we'll have a Big 12, Big 10 challenge. I would love to see that be more like a classic kind of thing, like I wrote about with the Big East in, in December. You know, Have four or eight teams go to a neutral site and play a, a, a day or two of quality basketball You know, to, as a way to showcase both conferences, maybe not necessarily do it during the conference slate 
But when you consider how hard this conference is, I mean, last the, the Wednesday night game against TCU and West Virginia was just a complete street fight. There was nearly 50,000 that game. You almost kind of feel like they need a break from Big 12 play at this point in time. Yeah. Um, you know, I think about this too, though. Let's not forget, this is a rigged challenge because the SEC's worst teams don't play in it, right? So it's all the Big 12 teams, but then the SEC Mm -hmm. picks its 10 best teams from the previous year. That's how they do this thing, right? I I, I don't know exactly how the SEC selects the 10 of the 14 teams, but you're right. Some teams don't play in it because they naturally have 14 teams and the Big 12 only has 10. So, you know, I I don't put a whole lot of stock in the win-loss record. What I put a stock in is, you know, certain matchups. Like you look at the weekend. I mean, West Virginia, like we said earlier, they've got a big opportunity against Auburn at home. Oklahoma has a big opportunity against Alabama at home too. Um, you know, the Arkansas Baylor game is intriguing. That's the one I'm going to in person this weekend. TCU's got a, a game they don't want to slip up on against uh, Mississippi State. And of course, Kansas is always going to play somebody big time. And in, in this case, they're going to play Kentucky. So, you know, I look more at the matchups than I do at, at the win-loss record. I mean, the Big 12 wants this because they consider it to be like a de facto conference game. You know, they play 18 conference games. The SEC and the Big 10 play 20. So that's why I'm thinking at some point you'll see a Big 12-Big uh, 10 challenge because they'll want that extra de facto conference game like they get with the Big East as well. That makes sense. All right, so you mentioned Kansas at Kentucky. We haven't talked about this in a couple of weeks. Uh, watching John Calipari coach against a Big 12 team is that something that we should get used to seeing, a la the Texas Longhorns, or have you kind of cooled on that possibility? Well, I, I would, it's not surprising to me at all to hear reports that Texas is back-channeling with John Calipari. I am assuming they're back-channeling with a lot of coaches because they're they're trying to lay the groundwork just in case uh, they decide they want to make a change. I'll, I'll stand by what I said earlier. If Rodney Terry, their interim coach, can get them to the Sweet 16, he's got a legitimate chance at getting the job. If he can't get them any further in the NCAA tournament than Chris Beard did last year or can't get to them in the Sweet 16, which they haven't been to it since, like, 2007, then I think they'll look elsewhere. I think it's all going to be about the results of this season for Rodney Terry, whether he becomes the head coach or not. And if he, if they decide to move away from Rodney Terry, I think Texas will make a hard push at John Calipari. I have no, no doubt in my mind about that. Okay. Uh, give me the game this weekend in the Big 12 SEC Challenge uh, that is getting – undervalued not getting enough attention we know kansas kentucky you know texas tennessee is a top five match or top 10 matchup what's the one that matthew postens is intrigued by that we are not talking enough about this weekend i'll give you one after your answer okay well i i think the iowa state missouri game is intriguing dang it that was um, mine state, i gotta find a new one now. Yours, all okay. right you go ahead explain away and i'll find another one <laughs> All right. Well, Iowa State's got to go to Mizzou. Mizzou's a lot better than they were last year uh, from a, a quality of play standpoint. Iowa State, you know, coming off the big win over Kansas State, coming off the big win over Kansas State, we kind of forget that in between those two big wins, they went to Oklahoma State and lost by a couple of points last weekend. So for me, if I'm T.J. Otzelberger, you know, I'm trying to get my kids thinking, hey, you know what, we beat a – top 10 AP team for the third time this season. Let's not get complacent. Missouri's a really good team. They're an NCAA tournament contender. We've got to be on it. And to me, that's, you know, it's more about are they mentally prepared to play this game in a hostile environment against a a team that, you know, is not 
you know, they're not a Big 12 team. It's not a conference game, but it's important for them because it's going to be a quad one game for them when it comes to NCAA net. Okay. All right. I That, that would have been mine. Uh, I'm going to go with West Virginia hosting Auburn. The Mountaineers have won two or three, as we talked about earlier. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if they can get a good victory over a top 15 SEC team, if a bottom Big 12 team can beat a top-tier, top-15 SEC team. It looks great for the conference. It's a big victory from West Virginia. That'd be a quad one win for them. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think it solidifies them as a team that's, even at 2-6 and six in Big 12 play, a legitimate chance of being in the NCAA tournament. And then you're looking at potentially eight, nine teams. I can't see Tech at this point, but hopefully nine teams making the big dance. So how do you, what do you think of that, Matthew? I, I like it. I mean, you know, they talked about it during the game on Wednesday night. I, I think uh, ESPN's Bracketology put West Virginia back in the field with their win over Texas Tech. So think about that for a minute. Yeah. West Virginia beats a winless Big 12 team, and it bumps them back into the Bracketology in the NCAA tournament. So they, let's just say for the sake of argument, they beat Auburn, which would be a huge win for them. Auburn's a really good team. Mm-hmm. And then they steal one of those games. You know, they beat Oklahoma, and then they steal one of those other three games they have against ranked teams in the Big 12, that wouldn't just put them back in bracketology. It might solidify their standing in the in the field, even with just three conference wins. That's that's how good this conference is. There's really no bottom. We talk about Texas Tech being the worst team. Texas Tech really isn't a bad team. They've just got some injuries, and they're just not the chemistry's just not there. But I mean, there's talent there, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if they, you know, stole a few down the stretch and really turned this into a you know, a four or a five team conference race coming down the stretch. Because remember, we've only played eight conference games to this point. We've got 10 left. Everybody's got to play everybody else at least once. So true. Matthew, enjoy the games this weekend. You will be down in Waco. People should follow you on Twitter at Poston's Postcard. Uh, Be sure to find him there and um, enjoy the game. We'll be watching the coverage on Saturday. Absolutely. Good deal. A lot of good matchups that I'll be watching closely. I know you will be as well. A couple of notes. First off, DraftKings, our code HCS, Heartland College Sports, as we noted in the middle of the show. Make sure that you download that and uh, bet $5. Yes, $5 on the conference championship game as a new customer and get $200 in free bets with our code HCS at DraftKings. I've got a couple days left to win the Paul Feinbaum, the Paul Clownbaum shirt that we're giving away. Men's large. Last of its kind, ESPN made us take it down. Leave a rating and a review. Subscribe to the podcast. Send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, and uh, at heartlandcollegesports.com. We'll get you hooked up with that free potential. We'll get you the free koozie. Definitely get the free koozie, the Heartland College Sports koozie, and entered to win the Paul Clownbomb t-shirt. Can't beat that. All right, you guys have a great rest of your day. Thanks, as always, for being here. I'm Pete Mundo, heartlandcollegesports.com. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.